You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 60. Welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishikavi. How are you guys doing today? It's beginning to feel a little bit like Groundhog's Day over here. And it's kind of funny because even though I've worked from home for over three years, my days have always been interrupted with meetings that took me out of my home office, gave me a chance to kind of, you know, dress up and see my clients. Now, though, every day is kind of the same. While I kind of like the routine, I'm definitely a creature of habit. On the other hand, whenever I do mix things up by dressing up or baking a sweet treat or even lighting a candle, I feel so much better. But I hope that you, my friend, are doing great and are finding ways to take care of yourself during this quarantine. So today we are going to talk about making decisions. Leaders have always been charged with making tough decisions, and I would even argue that the hallmark of a truly great leader is the ability to weigh the options and make the best choice for their people. As a boss, you're having to make decisions every day, and you might feel like whichever choice you make isn't a good one because your options aren't good. For instance, right now, You might be faced with deciding whether you should lay off staff or keep them on board. Should you fundraise or wait it out? These either-or choices essentially present you with a lose-lose situation. Let's take the first question as an example. If you lay off staff to help your organization weather a financial storm, you'll feel terrible for losing a great employee. You'll have lost that great employee and the value that they add to your organization as well. If, however, you keep them on board, you will lose money and may not be as financially viable an organization. Either way, you lose, right? But what if we don't have to accept that we have to make that either-or choice? What if we decide that we want the benefits of both of these extreme ends of the spectrum? Our challenge then becomes figuring out a creative solution, allowing us to flip a lose-lose situation into a win-win situation. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'll offer you a few steps you can take to improve your decision-making, but first, let's talk about what it even means to make a good decision. Because here's the thing, decisions are analyzed in hindsight. We don't determine whether a decision was good or bad until we have the outcomes of the decision in hand. That's because at the time you make the decision, you often don't have all of the information. You can't predict the future, so there will always be a level of uncertainty in the moment that you're making the decision. Think about playing poker or a game of blackjack because you don't know what cards the other players have or what's still left in the deck, you have to make decisions based on the information in your hand. So a good decision is making the right move based on the cards you have. A good outcome though is winning the round, but you have less control over that. So a bad outcome doesn't necessarily mean you made a bad decision, and likewise a good outcome doesn't necessarily mean that you made a good decision. 
Oftentimes, when we think about making a good decision, what we're really talking about is a good outcome. But you can't really control the outcome. Even if you make all the, quote, right choices, you can end up with a bad outcome. So today, when I talk about making a good decision, what I'm really talking about is determining what outcome you desire and using decision-making as a tool to increase the probability of getting that outcome. The first step in this is to test your assumptions. So the first thing that I want you to do is take a step back and first ask yourself, do I really need to make this decision? The way to find out the answer to this question is to test your assumptions. In the case of weighing your options of potentially laying off an employee, what are some of the assumptions you might have? One assumption could be that if you lay off the employee, you will patch a hole in your budget. Okay, so with one less less staff member to pay, you'll save on that expenditure. That's true, but will that patch your budget hole? For the sake of this example, let's say that the staff member you're considering laying off runs a program for your nonprofit. Now, if you lay off this staff member in order to save money, you now don't have someone to run the program that they were running, right? And maybe that's not a big deal, but maybe it is. What if this program is the reason your donors choose to give to your nonprofit? By laying off the staff member and effectively shutting down this program, sure, you no longer have the expenditure associated with the program, but now you've also lost the income from donations tied to that program. So in fact, you've not closed your budget hole, and now you've potentially exacerbated the problem you were trying to solve. Another assumption a lot of organizations are making right now is that with the economic downturn, donations are going to drop off dramatically. So to kind of get ahead of that, they're cutting costs and tightening up on their staffing. But what evidence do you have that this is true? It may seem logical that when people don't have a lot of money to spare, they would cut back on discretionary spending like donations. But giving a donation has never been a logical decision. It's an emotional one. Moreover, we need to look outside of our organization and this inside thinking to look at the facts. Compare this period of economic downturn to another. For instance, During the 2008 recession, the so-called Great Recession, donations didn't drop off by some exorbitant amount. In 2008, giving fell by 7%. But if we look at giving as a percentage of income, it actually only fell from an all-time high of 2.3% in 2005 to 2.1% in 2008. What this shows is that people continued to be incredibly charitable. It's just that their income decreased during the recession. So overall, donor behavior didn't dramatically change. It's an assumption that we have and frankly doesn't hold up against the facts. So before even weighing your options on any decision, test your assumptions and make sure that they're grounded in fact and that the decision placed before you is the one that needs to be made. Or is there a different decision that you need to consider? The next step in decision-making is to determine who should be involved in decision-making. 
There are many well-documented problems with group decision-making, so ideally you'll limit how many people are involved in the process. Even though we might think that two heads are better than one, and three heads are better than two, and so forth, and the thinking goes that each person has their own unique viewpoint and perhaps sees the situation from a different angle. But the research actually shows that rather than compensating for each other's failures, groups actually amplify them. Groups are also susceptible to what's called the cascade effect, which is essentially a situation in which group members simply follow the lead of the person who spoke or acted first. So if a group of you is deciding whether or not to lay off staff, If the first person says, yeah, we need to lay off staff because of the economic downturn, the rest of the group will merely go along with this assumption as opposed to questioning it. But since now the entire group agrees on a false statement, you feel confident in your false assumption. This is especially true when the leader of the group is the first to offer their opinion. No one wants to contradict the boss, so everyone just goes along with it. So, before making any kind of decision, you want to make sure that only the people who absolutely need to be involved are asked to participate in the decision-making process. And you want to make sure that the team you assemble has the right qualities. Research done by the Good Judgment Project indicates that when teams make decisions, groups that are cautious, humble, open-minded, and analytical tend to be best. Okay. So once you've determined that A, you do need to make this decision, and B, you have identified the people who need to be involved in this decision-making process, now there are a few steps you can then take to try to create a win-win situation. The main issue with decision-making is that you have to choose one option, and the implication is that once you make that choice, you forego the benefits of the other options. For instance, if we choose to lay off a staff member, we can't also continue to reap the benefits of the value they add to our nonprofit. We've made a decision and as such have chosen to also forego the benefits of having them on our team. This is where so many of us get hung up with decision making. We'd love to have the best of both worlds, but oftentimes it doesn't seem possible. Instead, we're often left unsatisfied with our options and choose the one that is the least worst. But if we can look at both ends of the spectrum and brainstorm the benefits of each, we can begin to come up with creative solutions that increase the probability of a win-win scenario. Let's stick with our example of deciding whether or not we should lay off staff. In this case, on one end of the spectrum, we'd say, no, we shouldn't lay off any staff. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have, yes, we should lay off staff. Now, each of these options comes with some benefits to the organization, right? Under no, we shouldn't lay off staff, some benefits could include continuation of the work they were doing, an additional person on staff to help with work, and maintenance of team morale. Under yes, we should lay off staff, some benefits include decreased expenses, increased bottom line, and maybe that means more funding available for other initiatives. I know my examples are pretty abstract here because this is a fictional case, 
But what I challenge you to do is to get really specific as you're brainstorming these outcomes. Move beyond the surface level and really dig deep. For instance, under yes, we should lay off staff, one of the benefits is decreased expenses. Okay, but how much will expenses decrease? 10%, 20%? These specific details will help you determine what the actual outcomes of either decision are. And part of considering the specific details of each outcome is the time frame. For instance, if laying off a staff member results in a 10% decrease in overall expense over a one-year time frame, is that helpful? Or do you need cash in hand right now? With each of these benefits, we also need to think about the probability of them occurring with each decision. So, for instance, if we decide to lay off staff, what is the probability that we will see a better net income in our bottom line? If we don't lay off staff, what is the probability that the staff would continue the work they were doing? When you do this exercise, you start to realize that not every outcome of your decision comes with the 100% probability. There's no guarantee that if you lay off staff, you'll have a better net income at the end of the year. Like I talked about earlier, if the staff who's laid off runs a program that brings in a lot of funding, you could actually lose money. So yeah, you'll decrease expense, but you'll also decrease income. So as you go through this, Think about your answer to the questions, what is the outcome that you desire most? Are either of these options correlated with the 100% probability of that desired outcome or as close to 100% as possible? If the answer is no, then we need to get creative. The problem that I see with decision making is that bosses feel constrained in the number of options they have available to them and will do what's called satisficing, which is essentially choosing the least worst option. But this isn't good decision making, it's just making the best of a bad scenario. What might your desired outcome be? Maybe what you desire most is making budget for the year. Now, you went through the process of deciding whether or not you should lay off staff to get that desired outcome, and you determined that while it may help you make budget, it's not a guaranteed outcome of that decision. Meanwhile, what is guaranteed to occur is decreased team morale and losing the value that employee adds to your team. So now, you can begin to consider other decisions that could bring you closer to your desired outcome of making budget for the year. Let's say, rather than cutting expenses, you consider ways you can increase your income. Perhaps a different decision to consider is, should your nonprofit send out an appeal letter to raise funds? Or should you do a fundraising campaign? Should you offer a virtual fundraising event? Or if you charge for programs, should you increase what you charge for that program? Okay, so the four steps to decision making are to first, test your assumptions. Second, figure out who needs to be involved in the decision making process. Three, align your decision with the outcomes in specific detail and the probability of that outcome. And finally, determine whether you need to consider a different decision to achieve your desired outcome. 
If you do need to consider different decisions, then you're just going to follow a rinse and repeat of these steps with each decision. Finally, let's talk a bit about short-term versus long-term decision-making. Most of the time, when bosses make decisions, they think in the short-term. There's pressure coming down on them from all angles, so at the time, it seems like the best decision is the one that will relieve that pressure immediately. The problem with this is that it often creates problems in the future and results in new decisions that need to be made. So if my nonprofit is facing a budget hole and my desired outcome is to hit our budget and the decision that I'm facing is whether or not to lay off a team member to make budget, if I'm just thinking about the short term, laying off that staff member may seem like the best decision to make. But if I think about the long-term effects of this decision, I may come up with a different answer. Because unless the work that staff member was doing was no longer valuable to my nonprofit, now that work has to go to someone else. What impact will that have on my team? Will they now feel overworked and maybe get burnt out and quit? Will they feel taken advantage of? Will the organization suffer in other ways? So when you're considering the different outcomes, I challenge you to push beyond thinking about the short-term immediate outcomes and think about how your decision will create downstream effects to be seen in six months, one year, or five years. It may not change the decision that you ultimately make today, but it will prepare you for the outcomes to come down the road. So maybe you could even get in front of them and mitigate them. All right. That is all I have for you today. I hope you found this information useful. For notes from today's episode, head over to thirdsuite.com forward slash 60. And I'd love to continue this conversation with you and find out what works for you when it comes to decision making. Where do you struggle with making decisions? Join us in our free private Facebook group and let's continue the important work of becoming great decision makers. To join, simply visit our homepage, thirdsuite.com, and you'll find the link right on the homepage, or search for Nonprofit Confidential in Facebook groups. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.